Hello and welcome to Mates Rate, the podcast where a couple of idiots who have nothing better to do and should know better pick a movie-based topic and discuss the top five moments and their opinion on that subject. My name is Gaz Carr and I'm joined by my good friend, her shooter bespectacled man-child, Dan Kayser. Hello. Hello, Dan. It's lovely to see you again. It's lovely to be here, Gareth. Thank you. So, this week in Mates Rate, we're going to discuss movie deaths. We're going to pick five movie deaths each and discuss them in detail, probably a bit too much. Yeah. I mean, we all love our characters in our films, and it's a, it can be a punch to the gut or even the heart when one of them dies. Absolutely. Well, before we get started, we should mention that we are going to spoil the absolute crap out of these films. Oh, yeah. So this is your spoiler alert. You have been warned. But just for you lovely people who haven't seen some of these extremely old films, by the way. Well, we're extremely old, aren't we? Well, we are. Um, But we look good. I mean, I look all right. Yeah, you look okay. I look like I'm melting. That's why they call you the ice cream man. They call me the ice cream man. They call me Easter egg on a radiator. Anyway, so we are going to discuss... Didn't like that. Dan didn't like that. So he'll cut that or I will cut him. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Good times. (laughs) To help you lovely listeners out, we're going to put a list of all of the movies that we're going to discuss. We're just going to name the movies. We're going to put that in the description of the podcast. So... Pause now, go and have a look at the list. If there's something in there you don't want spoiled, then we recommend you go away and watch it. Yeah, if there's a film on that list that you want to enjoy for the first time, albeit 40 years since it came out. Absolutely. You go and do that. Yeah. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Do the homework. Do the homework. See you later. See you later. Okay. At the end, or maybe even somewhere through, you might have some honourable mentions. Yes. But I've got I've got a cheeky little list on this one, Dan. I've got a cheeky little list of worst movie deaths. What uh, define a bad movie death? What are you talking about? Well, bad movie death for me is a movie death that is either. I mean, it can be. There's lots of ways it can fall into this category. It can be either just terribly done, you know, like somebody hamming it up, overacting, like poor filmmaking, or poor, poor acting. Poor filmmaking or poor acting. Yeah. Uh, it can also be uh, something that really doesn't add to the plot, that was really unnecessary to the plot, or was just. Feels forced. Feel, feels forced. Ham fisted. We know that movies are fake. Um, what? Yeah, we all know that movies are fake, but sometimes, and, and, and they construct a fake world inside these movies, so you, there's, there's usually a little bit of justice when it comes to deaths, and sometimes they make a film where there's a death where it's just like, it's like whoa, that's, that's far too unjust. That's a bad movie death. Mm, undeserved. Yeah. Un- well, undeserved punishment. Yeah, unless in the you're movie world. unless you're trying to make a really gritty dogmatic drama where a, a Ken Loachian yeah, where 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 deaths just happen, where they can happen as they would in real life for absolutely no reason. Yeah, yeah, that's why you got to have clean underwear on. Clean underwear. Might get hit by a bus. Bus. Yes. Yeah. Apparently, the first thing a doctor does is check on the underwear uh, situation. Absolutely, it's the triage nurse in A and E. They just see if you shat yourself. Skid marks. Yeah. Mm. Right. So, should we move on? Do you want to go first, or shall I? Um. I'm more than happy to go first, but so right now we're talking about the deaths in movies that affected us, maybe on an emotional level, or maybe something that we could, maybe we even enjoyed it, or it's well, just yeah. done really well. Yeah, or it could be done really well, or it could, you know, be such a driver to the plot, you know, it could be something that really starts that plot going. Like one of mine in particular is a real driver to the plot. I don't want to say it until we get there. Adam Driver. No. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so, right, top of my list. I don't know if this drives the plot in any way. Um, it's just a moment that I enjoy from the film Jurassic Park. 1993, oh, Steven Spielberg. JP. Jurassic Park, the original one. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to say, I was going to say, I'm going to say something controversial. No. I don't think I am. I think most no, people I think would agree. I agree with you. The first film is fantastic. The original. Everything else afterwards slides downhill. The original and best. Yeah. I will suffer uh, Jurassic Park 3. With the Sam Neill? Yeah, and that's the only reason to watch it. If Sam Neill mm. was not in Jurassic Park 3, I wouldn't give a monkey's. No, I agree with you. At all. I mean, Jurassic I, Park 2, is, uh, Lost World is absolutely fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. That's, that's a Gold really Bloom good... carries that movie. Yeah. So yeah, the trailer kind of gives things away about the dinosaurs escaping onto... Which is pretty much the end of the film, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, I it's think my, small, my, my small third act child, my bearded child self at the time... Was like that's really cool. Do you want to um, do you want to tell us about your movie death? All right. So the, so the actual death. Um, so yes, original Jurassic Park, original and best, original recipe. Um, I really like the character of Robert Muldoon. Uh, he's like Maldoon. the he's like the yeah, game yeah. warden, and he's the he's like the raptor expert of Jurassic Park. And it's that moment when he is picked off by the pack of raptors, and what what's, what does he say? Clever girl clever girl absolutely so he's looking at one raptor he's looking down the sights of his gun and then he looks off to the side and there's the one that gets him well the, the brilliant spielbergian thing about that is that spielberg's already set that moment up earlier like way earlier in the film when yeah. sam neill is explaining is is it like is it the first it's right at the beginning the, at the dig yeah, the first yeah, yeah. first when meeting of sam neill when he's, he's trying talking to, to that kid. when he's trying to terrify this small child yeah and he and he pulls out the uh the six inch raptor nail blade thing and he says that raptor's in front of you is not the one you got to worry about it's the one that's coming from the side he, he sets it up perfectly yeah, yeah he says this is how they hunt they distract you with one in front but it's the ones from the side. They're the ones that are going to get you. Yeah. Mm. Because he understood, as a paleontologist, he understood their uh, their natural behaviours in the... So that's the other thing about the book. I think we might do this back and forth if we've read a book, which is rare. It's rare. Um, but Grant learns all of that through going to Jurassic Park. Yeah. He doesn't know it already no. because he's a paleontologist. He admits that he well, doesn't know these things. That's the movies. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> They're no good. They should stop. Absolutely. So that's it, so that's it people. We're gonna we're yeah, gonna finish no this movies. podcast. Shut no this down. Movies. Turn the lights off, Gareth. Just, just everybody to books. Next week, Jane Austen. Wee. But yeah, I love I love that moment, and I love that. I just love that line. You oh know, yeah, it's clever almost, girl. So it's good. not delivered to camera, but it, it's almost delivered like to the it audience. It is, but it's 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 just like you know he knows he's been beaten in this Respects this mini game of chess because he's like and a he hunter. Respects it. Yeah, yeah. He's like a big game hunter or a game clever warden girl. from his previous life before he works for yeah. Jurassic Park. And, yeah, he respects that he's been hunted by a superior hunter. The other thing that I enjoy is that... So that line, Clever Girl, again, it's not in the book, added um, in the filmmaking process. Where do you think that that might have come from? Any idea where that line might have come from? The influence. Is it yours? No. No? No. No, I, I can imagine why you would think that, the Spielberg in reference. It's Total Recall. 
<laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> he says it to um, Douglas Quaid. Now we're going off on a tangent. But Douglas Quaid, um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, has been uh, tricked and lied to throughout the entire film uh, by one of the characters being his wife. And when he when he figures was part of that Tracy? out... Was it Sharon, Sharon Stone? Sharon was Stone. The, was the yeah. actoress. And he, knack, he knocks her to the ground and says, Clever girl, when he escapes her. The evil clutches of all the characters. Mm. Um, and then he shoots her in the head and he says, Consider that a divorce. And you're like, <laughs> that was harsh. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's how divorce works. Maybe in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and to continue the Total Recall references in Jurassic Park, Schwarzenegger, the colours and some of the stuff that he wears in that are replicated by Ellie Sattler, oh, Laura Dern. Have you seen that? There's an excellent, I don't know if it's a meme or not, but it's certainly a comparison. You don't know what a meme is, do you, old man? <laughs> I, I believe it's a gentleman who dresses up in white paint and uh, and pretends he's touching a lot of glass. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's a meme. That's right. Uh, no, it's it's um the, this particular thing. I don't know if it is a meme. I think it might be just a comparison. Just call it a meme. It's fine. No, I don't think it is though. I think where they compare. Um, wow, what's the what the hell's his name? He's the Dennis one, Nedry. Dennis Nedry. They yeah, compare yeah. Nedry to Chunk from the Goonies. Yeah. Their costumes, and, yeah, costume choices, and yeah, the, it's the costumes like the, the the sort of like all the all the choices by Dennis Nedry are characters from the Goonies. He's wearing the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, it's not of just chunk. chunk, is it? No, yeah, no, you're he's right. wearing a Hawaiian shirt of Chunk in one scene. In another scene, he's wearing like the yellow raincoat of Mikey Samwise Ganji. Yeah, Samwise Ganji, <laughs> the inimitable Sean Astin. Potatoes. <laughs> oh, Mr. Frodo, sir. Um, uh, what are the other scenes? He, but there's like four. There's at least there's at four. Least, um, yeah, three or four, yeah. Yeah, and the, and it's all the, the characters so you, from the Goonies. It's fantastic. Do you think that this is Spielberg having a little jape? Or do you think this is the be. costume designer's like, I'm bored and I'm going to inject well, some on, on the, movie um, uh, history and uh, hilarity on, into this? On the comparison photograph, it it is named that it's Kathleen Kennedy produced both films. Okay. Kathleen Kennedy, who is currently killing Star Wars. Um, We've never talked about her before. Have we not? No. No. Let's not talk about her now. Yeah, she's, don't got, want to be she's got no power here. She's got no You've power You've got here. no power here. So, should we move on to... Um, well, if I may. If I may. You may. Right, so... I'm going to stay in Jurassic Park. Oh, Jurassic Park. 93. You're going to stay in Jurassic Park I'm going to stay World. in Jurassic Park, no. Oh. No, but you're going to stay in Jurassic I'm Park I'm going to stay in World. Jurassic Park. No, in the theme park. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, we've, you've just mentioned him, Dennis Nedry. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. His death, I really, really like his death. His death's fantastic. It's quite, it's quite, it's funny and then it's gruesome. Mm. Uh, not that you really see anything. It's quite implied, but it seems quite vicious. So for those off screen, it's one of those things where the yeah, but you get so. Can you remember the name of the dinosaur that gets him? Come on, Gareth screwing his face up. Is he trying to pull a memory out from the long past, or is he got a little fartish? Yeah, you're digesting something. Um, can you give me a clue? It begins with D. Ah, diplot. No, die cloth. No, die cloth. Dennis Leary. Touching cloth. This is this is establishment right, area. I'm going to stop this right now. Dinosaur. Yeah. It's dinosaur. Yeah, go. It was a dinosaur. 
Uh, Dilophosaurus. Dilophosaurus. There you go. Everyone knows this. Of course. So in the film, he has got his car stuck in the mud. He's going to tow himself out, and he comes across a what appears to be quite a little dinosaur, and he treats it like a dog. He waves a stick at it, throws the stick, tells it to get the stick. Get the stick, stupid. And it doesn't. And then the big frills come out from around its neck, and oh. it spits onto uh, this kind of black goop onto his shirt, and he touches it, and it's all gross and slick and we've, disgusting. We've had that set up in, earlier in the film, haven't we? Isn't there a, a Do they talk about it? Do think, they talk about it? I think they do. It's possible. I tell you what, I think what you do is when they're in the car, um, it's it's being narrated to them Maybe. about the about the venom yes. of the Dilophosaur. And, um, and then it spits in his eyes, and it's blinding, and it stings. Mm. Uh, and it's paralyzing the, um, as well. Yeah, and it's it looks incredibly painful. He manages to get into his car, shuts the door, and lo and behold, that little Dilophosaur is in there, and it it kills him there. The only reason that I bring that up, one, I like that death. I um, I think it's gruesome and entertaining. But again, compare it to the book. In the book, the dinosaur is quite different. It's the same kind of dinosaur. But instead of being like a little dog type thing, it is about 10 feet tall. And it still spits at him. And it still, one hits him in the chest, one hits him in the eyes. Uh, and he's uh, he's blinded, he can't it, move. So what you're saying is face, neck and chest? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it was the pearl necklace of dinosaurs. And because this thing's so big, he's it, it kind of towers over him. He's concentrating on the blinding pain in his eyes from the from the venom uh, and then he feels a warmth uh in his in his hands and from his clothes and this dinosaur has uh eviscerated him gutted him and he's now holding his intestines and then he feels pressure on his head because this 10 foot dinosaur has now put its jaws around his head and the the, the way that that moment ends in the book is it says all he can hope for now is for it to end, and it's quite, it's quite different. It's green, and I don't know what the, you know, what was the? Do you reckon that was a budgetary thing of like we've we've no. got we've got some big dinosaurs. We don't we can't have another one. Let's well, get a smaller puppet type dinosaur. Maybe in. maybe it's. So um, I want to say the Dilophosaurus is all practical. So it's well on, on the on the subject of size of dinosaurs, the Velociraptors in the film are actually quite. Um, too big, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're yeah. quite exaggerated in their size in comparison. Apparently, they're about the size of a chicken, a large chicken in real life. Velociraptors, quite a large chicken, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like an emu-sized chicken. Yeah, well, no, no, they weren't that big. But dinosaur-sized, dinosaur. But they would have had feathers. They, they would have had feathers, which I think that they yeah. they. They definitely would have been pack animals. But you see, they were. I mean, they didn't have feathers in the film, but that was the thinking no. at the time. You know. So they they didn't but they didn't know about the feathers until after Jurassic Park. Yeah, and they are arguably, I think more than arguably actually, the raptors are the most uh, villainous of the dinosaurs. Mm. The T Rex is T Rex is there mm-hmm. um, and in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, so and he's a big the, boy the and he's intimidating. Yeah, but the raptors are like cunning mm. and evil. And yeah, yeah, yeah. almost, yeah, they are. The, dare I say, almost human in their. Uh, well, in every Jurassic Park film, the T Rex has been um, 
the T-Rex has been set up as as both a kind of like a villain and a hero. He's, he's yeah. something to be frightened of. But in the end, he always comes in and like eats the velociraptors at just the right moment. You know, yeah. should we move on? Because, well, I'm going to start with the uh, <laughs> with a controversial one. I love, I love controversy. Don't know if it's controversial, so but I love the fact of what this death starts. It starts a ball rolling that is now four movies and potentially spin-offs. I'm going to say that I'm already intrigued. Yeah, yeah. Potentially spin-offs. They've not been made yet, but they have been, you know, at least one movie's been announced and they have uh, announced a um, uh, a TV show spin-off, but that didn't happen, but I think it might still be yet to happen. So if I were to say the name of the spin-off, I think you could probably guess the death. Ooh, Shall I okay, say that? Let's play Guess the Death. Guess the Death. Okay, the name of the not yet made spin-off, The Continental. Oh, okay. Yes. What's the we, death? We're we're in John Wick territory. So right? what's the death? Well, it's I don't the, know. It's the dog. Oh god, that John Wick's dog. John Wick's dog. That is that is the spark. That is yeah. And I don't. It wasn't called Sparky. It was called Daisy. Huh? I um, didn't know that. It's a little. I think it's a little beagle. It's definitely a beagle. Yeah. Sorry, it was. It was. I think it probably still is. I don't think they actually killed the movie dog. It wasn't. It Harold's wasn't, that film now. It you reckon their dog's still going? Yeah. Yeah. Good. John Wick's not that old, and it was a puppy. Thank God. But uh, and I don't think it was a method acting puppy, which is why they didn't kill it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a Dustin Hoffman puppy. Yeah. And it wants to so, die. Yeah. But that 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 death of that little dog sparks, you know, four movies. Uh, Pure revenge. A spin-off. Yeah. And and each of these movies. I mean, all right, it's it's Ron Seal. You know what you get. You know, you get what it says in the tin. It's it's exactly the same movie every time with just, you know, a little bit more of the... That, that Ron Seal reference, that is old. That is old, no yeah. No one's going to get that. But yeah, I'm but, with you. But I'm old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it does what it says in the tin. There you go. And, and that's what John Wick does. He just goes in, kicks ass, kills a whole bunch of people. They, I mean, they're taking more and more liberties with just how bulletproof these bulletproof suits can be. And yeah. I do have a small issue with that, but... They are still a shitload of fun. They're just great films. Do you have an issue with the Batman's bulletproof suit? The Batman, as in the Batman in, in the, 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 the Pattinson, the Pattinson. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have various issues with that film anyway. Do you um, think he was too bulletproof, though? And bombproof? He was bulletproof, he was bombproof. He too was much. a terrible Bruce Wayne. The movie was over long. It was a, it, you could call it a homage to either Seven and, and Watchmen with that voiceover, but it was more like a rip-off of those things. But you um, liked it. Five out of five stars. It ended five times. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> John Wick's dog. John Wick's dog. Yeah, Daisy. Daisy died. R.I.P. Daisy. Yeah. Shot by Russians. Shot by Russians. Shot by uh, Lily Allen's younger brother. Mm. Mm. Theon Greyjoy. Alfie Allen. So, yeah. So, uh, how do you feel about the John Wick films? Um, I have... I love the first film. First and film I think it's like a fantastic. really nice self-contained yeah. thing. First film is the best one in my yeah. opinion. And then two... I've seen it. And it's got Keanu Reeves in it. Keanu Reeves, who apparently is the loveliest person alive. Yeah, I'd quite like to be Keanu's friend. I'd like to be his pal. Because I think he'd give me money. <laughs> I mean, I it's just... Like you don't seem to have enough money, Dan. I'd like, times are tough, Keanu. And he'd be like, here's $50,000. I just want to be his I'd friend. Like, Can you do that in pound sterling, please? 
Look, I'll, I'd, I would even buy him a coffee just to be his pal. Oh, yeah. I mean, he so wouldn't have to could, give uh, me he'd money. He'd have to give you a sizable amount of money. No, no, he wouldn't have to give me money. Oh. No, no, I'd just like to be his friend. He seems nice. Oh, I want that money. Keanu, if you're, if you're listening. <laughs> friend of the we show. Know, we know friend of the are. show, friend Keanu, of the show Reeves. Keanu Reeves. We know you're listening, so um, you know, yeah. get in touch. Yeah, we'd like to up our production values, so yeah, <laughs> going to need that 50 If you want to sponsor us... Anyway, getting back to John Wick. Uh, you see, so, so, I, I mean, I kind of agree. I love the first one. I think it's a fantastic film. The sequels, I think, are more of the same. And then they also stretch the lore. L-O-R-E, lore. Yeah. You know, they, it, it gets more fantastical each time. Yeah. Well, I think maybe... You delve more and more into this assassin's underworld. Yeah. Apparently, everyone is an assassin. Yeah, well, that's it. Everyone and so, their mother is an assassin. Okay, now this is a spoiler alert, kids, for uh, John Wick 4, because that is under 12 months old, so we will... Uh, I'm going to whack in a spoiler alert. A so, wooga. I mean, this is minor spoilers. It really is minor spoilers, but anyway. A wooga, wooga. Um, in John Wick 4, there is a uh, a gunfight in a nightclub. That's very John Wick. How, how spoilery is that? It's not very spoilery at all. Uh, and... Everybody keeps dancing. <laughs> like people people are literally four feet away from, from somebody shooting at each other and every, and they're just dancing, they don't give a shit. No, I haven't seen it. So is it a silent disco? They all got headphones on. No, it's not fair. It's not. Oh. It's not a silent disco. It's it's uh, they just don't care. So that that's that's my sort of problem with the John Wick. World. Are you saying that they might all be everyone in the club is an assassin and everyone, this does not bother them one shot? Everyone job. in the John Wick world it seems very like, good with a gun. Just everyone's an assassin, or everybody's part of this. Yeah, this killy world. I'm pretty sure killy world. Killy I'm pretty world. sure in John Wick three, Parabellum, that um, uh, there's a scene where he and another assassin man are having a little bit of a go at each other in what might be a train station. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. and again, I don't think many people give many shits well i think they in that one they do sort of they do sort of stare off at each other and just kind of like you know oh, there are civilians around let's not do anything that shows some goddamn respect but but literally there's so many times that gunfights just happen in i mean there's there's that scene right at the end of two i think it is two where they're out in the big park place in maybe new york or wherever there are washington very forgettable film it's very forgettable that bit. i mean that that is the other problem is that they the, becomes a bit in terms generic. of the plot they do just all sort of blend into one yeah, yeah. but they are fun they are yeah. fun films I, i'm sort of starting to go negative on these but i don't want to because they are fun films they're just exciting balls to the wall you know well choreographed action and keanu reeves is doing a lot of that himself because you can see his face in all this stuff he's doing the fight work himself some of the yeah. larger stunts obviously not but the fight work he's doing himself and he's not he's pushing 60 60 he's gotta be we um, need to be keanu's friends soon we do because <laughs> we ain't gonna get that money if he pops his clogs oh you, i thought you meant we need to be keanu's friends soon so that we can get into the will for when he does pop his clogs which is not going to be too long away no, he's going to live forever. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is going to live forever. He does not look And he deserves late to live 50s. forever. Late 50s. Yeah. But that was it. Again, spoilers for John Wick 4. There's a scene in that where they just where he's got to get to the top of these very large steps. And he just keeps getting knocked down these steps. And, and they Rocky falls. style steps? They are. Well, it's, it's, it's a much more narrow steps with a, with a, a rail in the middle. That's just, they're very long. 
uh, you know, they're long and there's like, you know, sort of 30 steps and then a flat bit and then 30 more steps and then a flat bit. I think... Welcome to Stair Talk. Stair, yes. Uh, and then there's H from Steps. Um, I would I, leave the cinema if he turned Yeah, out. yeah. Uh, but yeah, he keeps getting knocked down these and he literally like falls like 200 steps just sort of f- violently flying down, rolling down these things. And he he does... You know, at the end of it, he does look worn out and beaten up, but not enough. <laughs> he wouldn't <laughs> he wouldn't have a bone in his body that wasn't broken after what he'd been through. You know, bulletproof suit or not. I was going to say, is it stairproof? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's gravity and concrete proof as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, do you want to move on to your next pick? Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. The film Logan. Logan. The, the end of the Hugh Jackman, oh, or is it, nah. Wolverine... Um, Sadly, I don't think it is. Wolverine run. And so so what happens? So he's he's being pursued by uh, by the bad guys, uh, those under the influence of uh, uh, possibly Mr. Sinister. But it's only hinted at, the whole that, Essex Corp thing. Character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's... Um, that's they kind of tease that and then do nothing with it, which the Not. Fox films are uh, kind of they're very good at that of like setting stuff up that, that they were never going to do. Unfortunately, they set up Dark Phoenix a couple of times and then did it a couple of times. Yeah, sadly. God, Wolverine Logan is kind of begrudgingly throughout the film looking after his his clone, his clone daughter. How is that? How is this? Is the bit that I don't understand. How is she a clone? Because I mean, I know that we live in a world where you know she's of his genetic material. So she's she's sort of. <laughs> but a, then again, aren't we all? She's effectively a Logan remix. Yeah, she, Logan yeah, she, remix. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, X twenty three or uh, mm-hmm. Laura, as, uh, as she's also known. Mm-hmm. Um, and so throughout the film, he's kind of this begrudging father and guardian, and towards the end of the film, right at the end of the film, he's, you know, he's defending her and her friends with, turns out, his very life. Mm. And uh, he's being, uh, he's attacking and slicing his way and dicing his way through um, the bad guys. And then it's all too much for him. His healing factor, he's, he's kind of old now, isn't he? They wanted to do like an old man, Logan. That's a really different story. Um but um, they kind of they kind of touch they, on it. They took from it, didn't they? They took from it. And one of the things in this film is that his healing factor. I think he's probably known for second most. I would say claws. Yeah, claws first. Yeah, and uh, that's not working. Mm. His healing factor is so not the, as good as it used to be. In that last scene, he has he has an injection of something that can supercharge his his mutant power, but it only lasts for a few like minutes, doesn't out. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's don't do drugs, kids. No, no, absolutely. It's a high. They make you feel great for yeah. a while, and then it's this is your brain downhill. And then you get yeah. some more, and you feel great. It's downhill again. Don't so, do drugs. So what you're saying is, either don't do drugs or do drugs constantly. Constantly. Well, okay. Cool. Yeah. It's a it's a money game. <laughs> well, if you can afford it, do it constantly. Yeah, man. Yeah, okay. Don't do drugs, kids. Adults can do whatever you fuck you want. <laughs> Again, changing our Spotify rating there, <laughs> So Wolverine is is dying. He dies. You know, the the, yeah. the unkillable mutant dies at the end of the film. The best X Man. Yeah. So why do I pick this one? Yeah, it's got some like emotional gut punch to mm-hmm. it. Um, not just narratively, but kind of you know, filmically fan base. 
early oh. in terms of like Hugh Jackman. This is his last hurrah the film, as the character. The or film so by James believe. Mangold. James Mangold, isn't it, the yeah, director? Yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. It was Love a it. great film. Love it, it. It was like uh, there, there are a couple of X Men films that I I genuinely love, and there's a few that I genuinely hate. Oh yeah, you know. But and, and there's there's some middle ground ones as well. But of the ones that I genuinely love, this one is so far and above. It's like way above the rest. It's just such a great film. Yeah, it's it's better filmmaking and storytelling mm. throughout. You like using those characters to tell. Yeah, I think I think that's what it story. is. I think it is. It is all about the story, and it's all about it's all about the character development. Like so, whereas another so another fantastic uh, X Men film, uh, X Men First Class. Yeah. But it was like that. That up to when it was made, I would say was the well, best. We, we might even be coming back we might touch to another, first yeah. class. Well, that was the the best X Men film with the worst X Men characters. The, the X Men characters were just so dog shit. Yeah. Yeah. The Banshee. Uh, you had. Who else did you have? It was like Can't a butterfly remember? lady. Butterfly lady. Angel. I think she it? was called Angel, which is the name of. Another X Men character. Yeah, it's so a bloke, was, isn't it? What was that about? He's the bloke with the wings, isn't yeah. he? Angel? Yeah. Angel. Yeah. And then yeah. he becomes Archangel when he's a bad man. Yeah, when he gets. Yeah, anyway. 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 So, so in I bring up Logan. I talk about Logan and that death because something that I certainly hadn't realised at the time was that the Wolverine, the film that came before Logan, it actually sets that death up. It actually sets that death up, or at least there's some foreshadowing that you kind of do have to go back and take in and, and appreciate because it's not too blatant. But in Wolverine, he's got a uh, uh, she's not really a love interest. She's a you know a, a guiding character um, who he helps and saves, and she says she can predict the future or she sees things she's like a fortune teller type power and she says you're gonna die with your chest ripped open mm. and your heart in heart your, in hand. your hands. Yeah, so taken that. quite literally it's quite graphic quite gory and they did that in that film though wasn't it that was that was the wolverine yeah the wolverine and that yeah. was that was also directed by mangold was that a mangoldy that was a mangoldy and it mm. was also a very good film yes yeah, it, it was it's good and at some point in that film when he they his his healing power has been diminished. I can't remember. Yeah, he's got is he he's got something like a, a some parasite, some robot parasite or something like inside nano, of him. Nanobot type thing. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. has to literally rip his heart out. Yeah, and hold it in front of him, and then he dies briefly, but then comes back because yeah, there was the rest of the film. But to if make. You, but if you carry that on into Logan, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, he dies from he's like impaled on like a massive tree stump. Yeah, that, and by, chest, by the way, that is, that is one of the. For the very first moment of Deadpool two, which was just fantastic, yeah, was the yeah, little music the box where he just box. he presses the little tree stump down that's poking up through, through little plastic Hugh Jackman's chest, yeah, and it turns around and does plays music. That's fantastic. But she says you're going to die mm. with your heart in your hands, and he dies holding X twenty three Laura's hand, who by the end of the film. He loves, she is his heart. Mm. And he dies for her to protect her. He that, defeats all the bad guys and he dies. And that's quite beautiful. Well Dan, done, Mangold. Dan, why are you crying? Huh? Why are you crying? I'm not crying, you're crying. You're crying. Stop crying. Why are there so many onions in here? Hmm? 
You tell me what there's other onions in here. So I, I've got to put this one in here because I'm an absolute nerd. and I can confirm this, listeners. You can. And it's got to be Spock, hasn't it? Spock. Who? S- Spock. <laughs> yeah. Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. The end of Wrath of Khan. Oh, yeah. Spock dies. What? Spoilers. <laughs> in that 40-year-old film. Yeah. I've seen it. Have you? Mm. Ah. Good for you. So yeah, Wrath of Khan is a fantastic film, and the only way that uh, the, the the Enterprise is uh, crippled at the end of Star Trek Two, and there's about to be a big, effectively a big bomb go off that's going to destroy them, unless they can get out of there. But because they haven't got main power online, the ship is going to be destroyed. And the only way to get main power online would be to go into this extremely radioactive room and fix this MacGuffin. Uh, why did Scotty put that in there? I don't know. I don't know. But the room is flooded with radiation. The room's flooded with radiation, so no one can go in there with you know. Otherwise, that they will die and their face will melt off. I mean, to be honest, they th- th- this kind of thing has come up in Star Trek before, where they say somebody has to be ordered to go in there, but Spock takes it upon himself to go in there, and he sacrifices his life to save the rest of the crew, which you know leads to the very now very famous saying, I don't know if it was a saying before, I feel like it was, but the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. I think as a sentiment, it's probably existed before Mm. the Spock says that. But yeah, and it's such a touching scene when 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 Kirk and Spock, when they can't... Bros. Bros. Bros till, you know... Yeah. Bros till death, and they really Ride together. Yeah. Die together. That was on the poster. (laughs) Absolutely. It was, yeah, the bromance of all bromances. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but it was, yeah, such a touching scene where th- th- they couldn't touch each other because Spock was still in this, in this radiation. What? Hmm? what? Well, Spock Why couldn't... do they want to touch each other? <laughs> you Right, you do not sully Star Sorry. Trek 2. Sorry, I'll be quiet. Star Trek 2, one of the best films be ever good. made. And I will fight anyone to the death who disagrees with me there. Not literally, I'm I'm very, very weak. Spocky's inside this radiation-soaked room and he can't come out because he'll flood the rest of the compartment with radiation, killing dozens of people. So Kirk is on the outside of this room and they have this final conversation, you know, with the glass separating them. So they can't touch. So they can't touch each other. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. <laughs> I feel like you're cheapening this. Sorry, I will be quiet. <laughs> No, no, it's okay. Of course, then they undid it all uh, in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock when they brought him back to life. Do you think he? Do you think he needed the money to pursue his singing career about hobbits? That is a fantastic song. <laughs> Don't lie in here. I know it's terrible. It's, it's awful. I mean, but it was a song. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, he, I think he talks his way through. No, no, he actually sings. It's, it's Bill Shatner. That talks his way through songs. Have you seen? Oh, good listener! If you haven't seen this, uh, watch William Shatner's version of Rocket Man. Oh yeah. Have you seen Rocket Man? Yeah, yeah. Pack my bags last night. Pre-flight. Yeah. Some people just think that they can do whatever the hell they want. They Some should be stopped. Do. They should be absolutely. Their friends should take them aside and go, mate. But Bill, Bill, you can't. We all love it when you do it at parties, but yeah. please don't record this. You, you can't. No, please, no, you don't. 
No. Put the gun L- down, Bill. L- live? Live on an awards show? Uh, Bill, no. Bill. Oh. oh, you did it. Oh, you did it. Poor mad bastard. It's all right. It went out live. No one will ever see that again. Yeah. Oh, shit. The internet. No, oh, fuck. <laughs> YouTube. Ah! Anyway. Um, although, William Shatner, common people, fantastic. That's a damn good song. That's a damn good well song. Done. Well done. Well yeah. done. If only, you know, I think it's because people cheered him on. I want to live like common people. I want to do whatever common people do. So, I mean, it's it's such a poignant death that these two characters have been through together so long. And, and, and it's... Kirk has never been through the no-win scenario and lost because, you know, you find out earlier on in the film that he, in the academy when he was training, he cheated. He reprogrammed the simulation that was supposed to teach him about the no-win scenario. So he reprogrammed it so he could win. So he's never had to face the no-win scenario. And he's never had to face loss or death unless you're talking about the hundreds of red shirts that were killed on a weekly basis in Star Trek, the original series. They knew what they were signing up for <laughs> when they joined the yeah. Federation. What's it called? Yeah, I, I believe that as the part... Academy? What am I talking the, about? The, the stuff of the Academy. I, I believe that when you get the red sh- shirt uniform, uh, they also provide you with a coffin. That's, yeah. you, know, just, you just have to carry that with you until until you die. Which is usually, I think it's a six to eight week period. Anyway, um, should we move on? Yeah. Go on. It's your go now. It's definitely your go. Okay. So let's talk about a death that I am going to say most people have forgotten about. But one that one that got me, got me Ooh. in the cinema. Oh, I'm intrigued. So I was a young boy. Oh. Merely, I don't know. An age. And I was taken to the cinema to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Who Framed... Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So that was a brand new movie. That is an absolute legendary Bob Zemeckis film. Love that film. Yeah. And so there's not many deaths in Who Framed Roger Rabbit because it's not that kind of movie. Can you remember a character being killed, destroyed... And who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh. oh. And almost... Yes. Uh, can you? I can. So, I can remember. I'm, I can remember two characters. Yeah, so I'm thinking about... I know who you're thinking about. A little shoe. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, God. Set this up. Set this up. So... Uh, What's the name of the stuff? The vat of stuff? It's called dip. Dip. That's it's it. It's called dip. It's a chemical yeah. that destroys... Cartoons, living cartoons. Yeah, it's basically paint thinner. It's garby, isn't it? Yeah, because they're, they're, yeah. they're made out of paint cartoons. Yeah, so but it's, it's kind of it's 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 a, a barrel of green yeah. ooze called dip, and yeah, it it melts and destroys these living tunes, these cartoons, and uh, Roger Rabbit's hiding in a bar, and the judge Christopher Lloyd, who's hunting. Roger Rabbit and takes great pleasure in hunting and killing cartoons. Christopher Lloyd is fantastic. Uh, he's terrifying in that film. He is. He towards the is. end, towards the end, like he's a, he's a threat throughout, but at the end he's terrifying. So because at the end, when he's talking to him, and he goes, "When I killed your brother Eddie, I sounded just like this," and it's terrifying. <laughs> Jesus Christ, is terrifying. And he's like, yeah. his, his eyeballs fall out. 
which are, you've got to imagine they're like glass eyes mm. and then you see like his toon eyes and mm. um, yeah and like daggers come out of his eyes uh, and I remember being absolutely you watch it now and it's kind of like as an adult as kind of almost a man it is well, yeah. You know, yeah yeah okay I'm on the cusp of okay manhood and um, it's um, oh yeah I never didn't say I was a man no no Jesus I'd never say that can't even put can't put that on a badge uh, you watch it now and it's it's very silly but um, I still think it's got some some horror elements to it some threat elements but the death is yeah, yeah. when um, there is a cartoon shoe that rubs itself up against Christopher Lloyd's shoe and it acts kind of like a cat or a dog it acts like a pet and he uh, Christopher Lloyd's character the judge picks this shoe up he's got a big rubber glove on which is a clue Absolutely, because, because it doesn't harm humans. It doesn't hurt people. But maybe the judge is more than human. And he picks oh, up yes. the he picks up the the, the, the shoe, the, mm. the cartoon shoe, and he lowers it menacingly and, and slowly. And when you say over cartoon shoe, just just to be, like, just to be clear, it's it's an alive cartoon shoe. Yeah, it, it has yeah, eyes and a mouth. So it's a cartoon character and that it's is kind in the of, shape sc- of a shoe. I think it's like screaming or mouthing oh, yeah, a scream yeah. as it's lowered down mm. into what to it is essentially like acid. Yeah, and you, it's not done. It's not like they're doing it and then they cut away. You watch it go in and you watch it start to melt into its component colors, and because the shoe is red. When the judge's hand comes back out, it's covered in like a red goop, mm. which kind of looks like blood. This is a children's film. I mean, it's fun what? for all the family, but it's for kids. I think I think it's really quite. Apt. It's disturbing. It's really quite apt that you have painted a beautiful picture there Ooh. of that of that scene. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's absolutely horrific. It's I mean, it was a fantastic film. I think it won quite a few Oscars. So it won best visual effects, best film editing, best sound editing. Yeah. Uh, Special achievement Academy Award. Mm. Uh, it was nominated for cinematography, sound mixing, and production design. So yeah, Hoskins was not nominated. Um, but yeah, this so this and was he nine... did a lot of work. Oh yeah, he was fantastic. He, he did. Uh, he come I mean, away with something he, more. He carried the film pretty much. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it, it, the film was very uh, uh, sort of famous at the time for bringing together Warner Brothers and Disney. You yeah. know, you had Mickey yes. Mouse and Donald in the same film as Bugs Bunny and Daffy. For the first time. For the first time. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Are you aware of the potential f- few frames of naughtiness in um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Remind me. I think I did. I have okay. heard So again, remind me. a family film. Yeah. <laughs> um, the character of Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. Who, yeah, is, is, very, is far, very... far more attractive than any cartoon character deserves to be. Yes. Um... <laughs> But she wasn't bad, Gareth. No, no, she was just drawn that way. That's correct. Yeah. So in um, so you know this voluptuous, um, uh, beautiful, but deliberately sexualized. sexualized, sexually alluring character, beautiful woman. She is in the toon cab with. Um, it's not a basic instinct moment, is it? It's a basic instinct <laughs> moment. Sort of. A cartoon she's, basic she's, instinct. She's moment. ejected from the cab. They crash. And uh, they are thrown from bodily from the cab, and the way that she lands, you see up her dress, and when you see up her dress in those few frames, you see everything. <laughs> She's not wearing underwear. 
because she's that kind of <laughs> oh, character. Oh, cartoons don't wear underwear. So, uh, that has been, they, that's been remedied. Has it really? That's been, like, tinkered with. Oh. You can't find that version anywhere. And I've looked. <laughs> you can't find that version anywhere. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, uh, essentially, the, the animator drew in a pubis. Really? Yes. A merkin? I think it was real. Oh, okay. Let's just say that the collars matched the cuffs. Yeah, I'm going to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that has that's been that's been uh, that's been fixed, probably for the best. Uh, but yes, now she either they they do it in such a way that you see nothing, or she's wearing uh, white undergarments. Clean that day. Uh, have we said have we said enough about uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and the death of that? I've probably said things that are. Um, I mean, yeah, I think we should. I probably possibly, went overboard. Yeah, possibly cut some of that. But yeah, anyway. if I could apologise to my mother, <laughs> and my wife. Uh, if I could apologise to Jessica Rabbit, uh, we didn't mean to uh, objectify you in any way. Voiced by Kathleen Turner. Absolutely. And earlier, when you said that she was, uh, Jessica Rabbit is more attractive than any cartoon deserves to be, I thought you were going to say more attractive. Than Kathleen Turner ever was. I would not say that because I very much enjoyed uh, Jewel of the Nile and or Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone. Beautiful. Yeah, they were fantastic, and she was great. Was. Um, I'm going to pick for my number three the character of Tracy in the film Seven. Oh. Who is Tracy played by? Tracy is played by the CEO and owner of Goop, who manufactures a candle that smells like her Jessica Rabbit. Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, yeah, so uh, Gwyneth Paltrow plays Tracy, who is Brad Pitt's wife in the film Seven, which, in my opinion, that film is it's possibly the best detective film ever made. Do you think it's Fincher's best work? I think it is. I think it is his best work. It's It's certainly up there. Yeah. I think David Fincher... Is still a an excellent craftsman who makes excellent films. Uh, he really does. But I, personally, I do think he peaked in the mid to late nineties, mm. which yeah, is yeah. sort of sad for him. But great for us. Yeah, great for us. Well, not really, because I'd love to see more David Fincher stuff just as good. Did you, uh, but he did. Did you watch Mindhunter? I didn't watch Mindhunter. That's mm. the the Netflix show, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's worth it. Yeah. A... Okay. With a goddamn view. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of think, uh, uh, is it uh, Gone, Gone Girl? That was that was very good. Zodiac was very good. But I do think that his work at the late 90s, uh, yeah. Anyway, so let, we'll come more onto that later. But right now, so Tracy is Brad Pitt's wife. Brad Pitt is Detective Mills. Uh, and they are hunting a serial killer. And they find they capture their serial killer because he allows himself to be captured. He walks into the he police does, station. He does what? He allows himself to be captured. Is he mad? I mean, yeah. He's oh. a serial killer who kills people based on the seven deadly sins. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. He's um, not neurotypical. Oh. That's... Doesn't he make a man make love to a woman? To kill her. Like a drill yeah. on his wee-wee. Uh, it's, it's more like a giant spiked uh, condom. <laughs> Jesus. No, I think it's it's more like a giant spiked uh, strap on. Oh. Yeah, he ki- he. So the the um, that's not nice. The sin of lust. So he, he does a murder depicting each of the sins, and they're all like you know worthy of in this top five deaths. You know, the first one that we come across is Gluttony. Yeah. Yeah, who yeah, is, yeah. He is uh, he's force fed uh, an extremely obese gentleman, 
and to the point where his stomach is so full that when he kicks him in the gut it bursts and then he allows him to die uh from from that injury which is you know just it's just horrific uh number two i believe is pride uh which was a da uh or an assistant da I think it's the DA. So the pound of flesh. Yeah, he gets him to cut a pound of... Well, he gets him to cut a pound of flesh off and the DA chooses his love handles and essentially just bleeds to death. He hopes that he can cut a pound of his his love handles off and survive the trauma, but he doesn't. Uh, Number three... Oh, what's number three? That one could be lost. Listeners will correct us. Our our listener will correct us. Um, Hello, (laughs) Mum. Get your notepad out, Lois. Tell us where we've gone wrong again. Could be sloth. That's number three, which is the the. Uh, I think he was some sort of paedophile. Yeah, that he uh, some sort of paedophile. Yeah, I think that he. I don't know whether he was an actual. Are there different classifications or, of paedophile? Oh, Dan, you you know all the classifications of paedophile better than I do. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's in the the world of paedophiles or something like that. The world. Of the pe- world of paedophiles. Welcome to the world of paedophiles. <laughs> it's the it's the, uh, the new ride at Disney. <laughs> Eighty days around the world of Peter. It's called. It's still called Splash Mountain, but uh, oh, you don't want to go on. No, there. no, no. Bukaki. So yeah, so I, th- I think it's a. I think number three is a paedophile gentleman who is a gentleman. That's strong. Right, I'm just trying to get through the sentence about paedophile, and you just keep stopping me every time. Right, so I think number three is. I think he's a paedophile. Got a problem with that? No, okay, no, I think they're great. <laughs> Cut print. Glad I've got a recording of that, Dan. <laughs> I'm going to be getting some good blackmail money out of you. I think Keanu, help me, I need 50 grand. <laughs> I think number three is a paedophile who he has uh, strapped to a bed for a year and allowed to waste away. Do you remember that? Where, um, I don't, no. Do you remember, no, I was supposed to actually play Dr. Cox in Scrubs. John John C. McGinley or something like that? Or, I can't remember. I know exactly who you mean. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, Cox is leading the SWAT team. That, that that comes into that because he they these uh they managed to uh find I can't remember what the clues are that lead them to this lead them to this this paedophile's home. Um but he's basically he's basically led led them on a, a wild goose chase and a merry chase. And the, and he's and he sort of set up this paedophile as being the killer but then when they get there, they find that this guy's been strapped to a bed for a year and uh, John Doe, as he's known, yeah. the killer, has taken a Polaroid picture of him every single day for the last year. And it's a year to the day since the first picture. So he's like led them there at such a precise time. Uh, and you just see these flicking through these pictures of him wasting away. Uh, and then it turns out that he's not dead. He's, he, he looks dead, and they think he's dead. And then Doctor Cox from Scrubs gets right up close to him, and he just the most big jump moment in cinema history when he just sort of moves and Doctor. Like, I'm, I'm not a pedophile. No, he doesn't, because he's chewed his own tongue off. So at that point, he's 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 just his brain is mush. Good lord. Yeah. Uh, so that was maybe number three. I think maybe number four or five was lost. Well, see giant spiky what, condom that you're talking about. Giant, yeah, giant spiky condom. Well, it's giant spi- spiky strap on that he had this thing commissioned because uh, you know they're not not easy to pick up in your in you know the the rec- recreational aisle of Tesco's. Um, next to the, the basket, I bet the Lidl aisle's got it on a <laughs> Little's Thursday. Little's got them. Yeah, <laughs> Little's got them. Little's got everything. 
oh, it's just, yeah, did you know, I needed some slippers. Uh, I, I needed, and a giant spiky strap on. Uh, oh, and a chainsaw. Um, right, so now we're going to get sued by Lidl. No, you are, you mentioned him. And I Audi. Keanu, I need 50 grand. <laughs> In the interest of balance, other supermarkets are available. And they also sell massive spiky dildos. Absolutely. Um, I don't believe the Little or Aldi do sell massive spiky dildos. Just just to ward off the lawyers. Save save our non-existent lawyer some time. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so that's number four, I think. I can't remember what number. Oh, Pride. He cuts off the, uh, the model's nose. Uh, he super glues uh, a phone to one hand and a bottle of sleeping pills to the other hand. So this supermodel, without her nose, he cut off her nose to spite her face. That's poetic. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I don't think much of your poetry, but okay. So yeah, so she has the choice of either calling for help but living disfigured. disfigured. Oh. Yeah, or taking her own life, so she took her own life. So yeah. Uh, so that's that's the original sort of five. Dies of vanity and pride, you say. Yeah, and then right at the end, uh, he has cut off Brad Pitt's wife's head and mailed it to them in a box. You know, you know, DHL or whoever uh, FedExed FedExed this box to them out in the middle of nowhere, where he's told them that the the next murder victim is going to be, uh, and uh, and inside the box. Is Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Um, Does Brad Pitt uh, ever ask him about the contents of the box? Yeah. Well, no. No, Brad Pitt doesn't have to. So, so uh, He doesn't ask what's in the box? <laughs> no, no. He, he doesn't never, do that? No, no. A hundred times? No, I don't, I don't believe he I'll have, to re- I'll have to rewatch it. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, he asks, he asks Somerset what's in the box. I see. Because Somerset drives down the road and intercepts the DHL, the courier, whoever he is, uh, the DPD. I've just named several, so that, you know, just in case any of them want to have a monopoly on transporting heads in boxes. Uh, he intercepts the uh, the courier and uh, finds Tracy's head, just as the disgraced Kevin Spacey is explaining to Brad Pitt that he took his wife's head. Good lord! Took her pretty head, in his words, uh, and uh, and he wants Brad Pitt to become wrath. He said that he was guilty of of envy, and that. That was his sin, and that he wants Brad Pitt to become wrath and kill him. And he gets what he wants. Power. Until recently, Kevin Spacey did get what he wanted. It's about the last thing that I saw him in was Baby Driver. That was a really good film. I really do love that film. It's a great film. Need to watch it again. Mm-mm-mm. So, yeah, so that that was my pick. Tracy's Head in Seven. Oh, it, it, you know, I came out of that film. I, I think I read a review of it in Empire at the time that said you just you just come out of that film like emotionally drained, and you do. You come out of that film like feeling like you've you, had a you gut go punch. through it, don't you? Yeah. yeah, but it's such a good film. It's so good. Yeah. It's really, really good. I, I do think it's it's one of the best films ever made. I mean, it's in my top ten films of all time. Well deserved. Hmm. Anyway, so Dan, what's next from you? Okay, so we're going to go to from one of your favourite films to one of my favourite films. Oh. And one of my favourite films. Barney the movie. Barney 2, which is far superior to the original. Barney 2, The Lost World? Yeah. Okay. It's called Barney Does Dallas. <laughs> Barney Barney Does Dallas. Yeah. Shaving Barney's privates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that note. <laughs> 
We need to do these earlier in the day because my voice is tired. It's called Barney 2. I love you, you will love me. Barney 2, Purple Boogaloo. So Dan, one of your favourite films, what is it? Okay, so yeah, so going from your favourite films to one of my favourite films. Okay, so Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Oh, The Shining. The Shining. Yeah, yeah, The Shining. The Shining. The Shining. Okay. Uh, One of my favourites, one, Kubrick, Master. Two, possibly more important, Jack Nicholson is pretty much brilliant in everything. I mean, he is. He's, yeah, I, don't, I don't think Jack Nicholson has ever done a like a Robert De Niro or an Al Pacino where he's just started accepting films for paychecks, has he? God, no, I don't think so. And he's kind of he's off the radar. Like the closest, yeah. yeah. Little fat check there. Jack Nicholson, 85 years old. Anyway, The Shining. So, yeah, one of my absolute favourite films and it kind of it goes to number one sometimes and it's oh, there for really? a little while and I fluctuate quite a lot so, but yeah it's, so I've seen The Shining like a, one time you animal I know I know there's there's a few films that you absolutely adore that just they're not really on my radar I think that there's a lot of stuff like that that I think that if it gets you when you're young then it, it becomes part of your personality part of who you are yeah and I didn't, it didn't, The Shining, I just never saw it until a lot, lot later. I think it's one of those, for me with The Shining, it, I, when I was quite a lot younger trying to watch it, I tried to watch it because mm. it was scary. I don't think, I watch it now, I don't think it's scary, but I've watched it 30 times, wow. you know, so um, it doesn't, although it still holds little surprises and little little Easter eggs and moments in there, it's the the horror element for it has gone. But um, the performances, I mean, Jack Nicholson's performance in that, uh, absolutely love it. Um, Shelley Duvall? Yeah, yeah. She's not very good. Is she not? She's not a very good actress. Is she not? And is, no, so and I, I think that's understood globally. Well, there are, there are like these horror stories of how Kubrick treated her. Yeah. And is, so... Because he tried to break her psychologically. Yeah. So, so my question to you really is: Is it that she's not a good actress, or did her did him breaking her psychologically just? Well, I mean, arguably, so films are not always filmed chronologically. Mm-hmm. So uh, he may have he may have damaged her very early on in the production cycle. Right. But early on in the film, she's she's just. I mean, you can you put her next to Jack Nicholson, who is. Yeah. A very natural actor. He's very charismatic. He's very, very good. And she's not going to outshine him there. But just... the Pun intended. Thank you. The moments... It's a question. <laughs> the moments of her acting earlier on in the film are just... It's just a bit weak. Okay. It's just a bit weak. This is personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is me being very subjective. Um, but I think it's... I think people would largely agree with that. Um so yeah, it's not until the end of the film that she needs to be tortured and and broken, and you know, famously Kubrick would make her do takes. The number is one hundred twenty-seven times. Wow, one hundred twenty-seven takes of something because he wanted her to be tired and distraught. But imagine he's doing that to the whole crew as well. The death in The Shining. That yeah, we'll talk about now. Oh yeah, is that of so. Again, let's set it up. Mainly, this is for Gareth, because he's only watched Please. it once, because he's an animal. Absolutely. So... Philip Stein. <laughs> what? 
I'm making a joke out of the word Philistine. Oh, so the characters are stuck in the Overlook Hotel, snowed mm-hmm. in. Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson played a lot of characters called Jack. And I'm wondering, it's just lazy. Is it laziness? Or is it like, I need to get into character really quick, so can I be called Jack, please? During the 70s, there were only three male names available. Jack, John, and... Charles. Hmm. His wife, Jack Nicholson's wife, or Jack Torrance's wife, I should say, Wendy, uh, tries to put a call out, and the RC radio's been... RC? What are you talking about? The ham radio. Ham radio. <laughs> So Wendy's trying to put a call out. Shortwave radio? And the radio. (laughs) (laughs) So Wendy's trying to put a call out. And the the wireless radio has been destroyed by Jack, who's gone insane. So there's no way of contacting the outside world. But Danny, the son, Mm -hmm. who has got the shine, the kind of psychic power that allows you to reach out with your mind, he contacts Dick Halloran, the man that he met earlier in the film and Halloran's got a little bit of the shine as well he's not as powerful as Danny but essentially this psychic call has gone out and Halloran who's now going to be he's been out of the film for a while he's coming back as this hero and he drives all the way to the hotel through the snow he gets into the hotel which is all massive snow drifts against the doors and he gets in and he calls out, I'm here. Is there, is there anyone here? And then from nowhere, Jack Torrance buries an axe into his chest. He, so he comes to save the day. He's there for moments. And he's immediately killed by an insane Jack Nicholson or just Jack Nicholson. And it's just that moment, that build up of yeah, we're yeah. going to, you know, our characters are in danger. There's no way out. The boy who's been getting ready to kind of use this power proactively for the first time when he does this and he calls this saviour in. There's no big fight. There's no climactic battle of good and evil here. It's just insta-death. And he is, yeah, just hacked in the chest and, and he goes down. And it's just, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love no, that that, that, that build up and the, the expectation and the it's subversion of that. that. When, yeah, they, they think that there's going to be a saviour that somebody's going to come in and save the day and then no yeah instantly and uh, I believe Mr O'Halloran was played by Scatman Carruthers that's correct who is uh, most famously known by me for playing jazz in Transformers the movie is that right that's right I mean Transformers he was the, the coolest movie, of all the Transformers Transformers the movie had a fantastic cast yeah it really did. I, I didn't mean, know he was in there, though. That's great. Did you not? So, I no. mean, yeah, let's go down the run down the cast briefly. We've got uh, Leonard Nimoy. Uh, Galvatron. As Galvatron, yeah. We had uh, Orson Welles as Unicron. Yeah, Unicron, yeah. Uh, we've got Robert Stack. Is that Orson Welles' last I think it film? might have been. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't far off Scatman Carruthers, either. I think mm. he did. He had two, he's got two IMDb credits after that. And one of them is another Transformers thing. Does does the character of Jazz die in that movie? Because a lot, so like Transformers are are, are labelled into different generations, aren't they? Mm. And those characters in that movie at the beginning of that movie, anyway, are called like Gen One. Yeah, yeah. Optimus Prime. Yeah. Um, Ironside. Yeah. Or Ironhide. Ironhide. I think Ironside was a man in a wheelchair. Ironside was Perry Mason. In a he wheelchair. was kind of a Transformer. <laughs> Whoa! Hey. <laughs> 
Sorry, Ironside. Yeah, the, yeah. The original character, yeah, the original cast nice. of characters were all pretty much wiped out at the beginning of Transformers the movie. Yeah, and that's um, and that's my point. Bumblebee. Do you know why? Why? Because those toys had already been sold. Is that what it was? Yeah. <gasps> and the the film that you love so much, it's just it's just another big advert no! for the next generation oh. of of Transformers toys. But still, you, Eric, hot I- rods. Eric Idle was also in it. Yeah, that was weird. Was weird. Uh, have I missed anybody of note that you can think of? No, you don't care. Oh, Judd Nelson, ah. who played Hot Rod. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I tell you what, just while we're here yeah, do tell me. in Transformers, Transformers motion line. picture, is that what yeah. it's called? Transformers um, the movie. Uh, they should call it the motion picture. Star Trek. The motion oh, picture. God, we're back in Star Trek. So Did you stop laying at <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> I don't take the piss out of you. I tell you what, a death that... in a hotel film. <laughs> a death that I really like in that film. Patrick Swayze in that film. It's a ghost. I tell you what, that's a good... There's some good stuff. Good deaths in that as well. In, in what? In Ghost. In Ghost. Yeah, and some excellent pottery. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Transformers the movie. Transformers the movie. Lots of deaths in that. I think that might have been the first thing I saw at the cinema. Really? Wait, in what? Yeah. Beautiful. So... Starscream's death in that. Mm. Megatron dies, only to be, as we find out, resurrected as Galvatron. Mm-hmm. And uh, Starscream kind of says, well, I'm the king now. And he puts a he puts a, a robot crown on and a cape. And he looks very dashing. Yeah, yeah, he does. And then Galvatron comes in and it doesn't just shoot it. Like a, lot of the, a lot of the Transformers, they kind of get shot and die from like a laser blast. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of lose their colour, if I seem they to remember. Do. They yeah, kind of they like kind of fade. Grey. They yeah, all well, the saturation seeps out yeah. of them. Um, um, uh, but but Starscream turns to dust. He does. He turns into like a statue and then just crumbles away. Yeah, he turns into like a grey statue yeah, and then yeah, yeah. yeah, just yeah, it was great. The crown I survives. Mean, I, 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 I also like I, I like the bit where um, Starscream gets his foot trapped in the transforming city yeah. when they're attacking the city, and he has to shoot his own foot to get out, which is just funny. Does he shoot it off? No, he doesn't. He doesn't actually do any real damage. Oh. Probably loses a robot toe. Them's the bricks. It was his R2-D toe. Anyway. Um, well, we're just going to ignore that. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, are we done on The Shining? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. The Shining, I, I, I did watch it once, and I did enjoy it, um, but it was a long, long time ago, and I do need to watch it again. I watched that scene, and yeah, it's brutal. Just axe in the chest. Brutal. I tell you what, I'm not done with The Shining, oh, and fuck. I never will be. Let's talk about it some more. Oh, so, God. the other pivotal death in that really is that of Jack Torrance, mm. and he goes Fucking searching for uh, Danny because that's the the wife uh, isn't really important, but Danny's because Danny's got the shine. Important enough for 127 takes. Oh God, yeah. So, because Danny's got this kind of psychic power, and the hotel wants that, wants to eat off of it. So it needs to kill Danny, and it needs his dad to do it. Mm-hmm. Not very nice, but that's that's the mm. film, baby. And so um, Jack is in the maze, and he's hunting for Danny in the snow. Danny's very clever, and he backtracks through the snow. He steps back into his own footsteps, and he hides, and Jack can't find him. And we go, we have this smash cut from um, Jack alive to Jack dead the next day, and it goes from night to morning, and Jack is frozen. He's a he's a, a jacksicle, and jack-sicle. he's he's gone all blue, and he's dead, and he's got this kind of like yeah yeah, he's like looking up through his eyebrows, 
Um, and he's yeah, and it's I, I love in terms of like filmmaking, I love that cut. Would you say he's like Jack Frost? Oh man, I said Jacksicle like you an did. idiot. <laughs> you did, and then You're you said fool. Jack Frost like a genius. Damn, pride myself on being quite quick. Yeah. I fucked that up, but. But, uh, while we're still talking about The Shining, because it's, it's my favourite okay. film, it's your favourite film as well. Well, it's not really. It is. And so, in the book, oh, it's much, done. much... Yeah, we're oh, back, no, we're back on lit- literature. Oh, God. Books! Okay, so in so the... Jane Austen said... In the Stephen King original, and of course King was not happy with the Kubrick film, but he is wrong <laughs> about, about his book being translated that way. He's wrong. But... The thing that I would agree with uh, Senor King about is that Jack Torrance dies in a bit of a crappy way, to be honest. Oh, I, well, do you know what? I, so I have seen the film once, and I do remember thinking, what? <laughs> at the end, when he's just like, he's hunting at night, and then cut to him just jumps, frozen yeah. dead in the morning. Yeah. And like, ah, it felt a little anticlimactic. It, it, it is. I love the editing. I love I love. That, that smash cut, but yeah, it is anticlimactic. And in the book, um, uh, throughout the the story, when before Jack goes crazy, he is um, looking after this hotel. And one of the things he has to do is keep an eye on this big boiler unit. And he needs to make sure that it doesn't get over-pressurised because that would be very bad. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, when he goes uh, batshit mental and he starts hunting the family down... That's that's a medical term, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look it up. Um, batshit mental. Uh, he, um, although he does it with a croquet mallet. Very PC. They didn't have PCs back then. It's true. So, it's true. That's um, why he's using a typewriter. Exactly. <laughs> so he um, uh, he's hunting them through... Uh, the Overlook Hotel and the grounds of it, and he's forgotten about the boiler. And in a moment of almost clarity, he snaps out of his murderous state, goes to the boiler, but it is too late. It's overpressurized and it's going to blow. And he decides, again in a moment of clarity, that he should stay with the boiler. He's kind of torn between what the hotel wants him to do, which is harvest psychic energy, and uh, protecting, actually protecting his family. So the hotel's telling him to kill Danny the son, but he's still loves his boy, wants to protect him, and so he stays with the boiler. He deliberately doesn't leave. So when the boiler explodes and it rips him apart, it's like a choice that he makes. Mm. And that's Better, it's isn't it? Better, isn't it? Much, so much better, better than better just kind it? of like cut. He's dead. Yeah, yeah. It kind of feels as much. Again, I love, I love Kubrick and I love that film, but it kind of feels like they went. What do we do now? I don't know. He's just dead. Or, or they kind of went. Can, can we afford to blow up the hotel? Probably. No. Yeah, and that's the thing. The hotel. Yeah, the hotel is destroyed. Um, mm. and can we afford to make a model and then explode it? Uh, do we have time? We've run out of time. Do you know what? Do I care about this anymore? 120 no, takes ago we could have. But we've run out <laughs> Stanley. Of, yeah, Stanley. We've run out of budget due to film stock, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> right, my next pick. But yeah, in the shining, right? So oh, got- fuck. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't like to do this, but it's um the second time, same director. I'm going for Fight Club. And this death 
again, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little bit out of left field, this death. I'm going to go with uh, the death of Tyler Durden. Oh. So that is the Brad Pitt character, because Ed Norton is also sort of Tyler Durden, but Ed Norton's character doesn't have a name officially. And mm. Tyler Durden is his alternate personality, played by Brad Pitt, who for most of the film you think is real. And then right at the end, it's revealed that Tyler Durden is, well, he's Ed Norton when he's asleep. And he's been living out this life of creating an, an anarchical underworld army that are going to take down society by blowing up the banks. Uh, and Ed Norton doesn't know any of this. He doesn't know that he's got this other personality until right at the end of the film when some people say, no, you're, you're Tyler Durden. And he kind of goes, what? Uh, and then he decides to, right at the end, the very end, the, thing, the only thing that he thinks that he can do to kill Tyler Durden is he puts a gun in his own mouth. And Tyler, because he's pointing a gun at Tyler Durden and Tyler Durden's going, what are you doing? I'm not really here, I'm in your head. And he turns the gun on himself, puts the gun in his own mouth, and Brad Pitt starts to get worried. There's that moment where he says, like, if you're holding the gun, then I'm holding the gun. Yeah. And the gun, like, transitions from... Into his hand. Into yeah, his yeah. hand. It, like, cuts into his hand, doesn't it? Mm. And, and like, the, the music goes down, mm. and Brad Pitt's character kind of, like, pauses, and he goes, yeah, good for you. It doesn't mean anything. Mm. He's still winning. You know? And then Ed Norton pulls the trigger. In his own gob. In his own mouth. And I think you see Brad Pitt falling backwards with smoke coming out of the back of his head. He's got a big hole in his big back of his bones. Uh, and then you... Smoke comes out of his mouth. Well, now this is... Yeah. Is that what it is? I yeah, he kind of like... He kind of, yeah, breathes out. It looks like, kind Ed, of like cigarette smoke. Ed Norton's got like a massive gaping wound on the side of his jaw. He's effectively just blown a hole out the side of his jaw. Yeah. Um, you know, like right at the back, just past the neck. Uh, but he survives uh, and and has a nice little chat with Helena Bonham Carter afterwards. Um, but it's just it's that the whole film is so powerful, and that death right at the end, the, the the sort of the the idea that he could kill this multiple personality part, part of, of himself, himself yeah. by putting a gun in his mouth and pulling the trigger, and he obviously didn't didn't destroy any brain matter where this this multiple personality. Uh, this possibly disassociative disorder lived in his brain because he just like like I said he just went out the back of his jaw, um, but at the same time he did he figuratively managed to kill Tyler Durden, uh, and and which, which and, begs the question right mm. did he miss did he miss was he uh, yeah. going to kill him was he going to kill himself like because if it's a trick then. That other part of that personality. I think he missed. I think he was just lucky that he just he was just the gun wasn't because like if you if you imagine, gentle listener, we hope that you never do this in reality. But if you imagine putting a gun into your mouth, you, you got to be pretty. You got to twist your wrist pretty far around to make it go straight into the back of your mouth, and you know so that you're aiming effectively at your spinal column at the back. Yeah. You, it, the other the other option would be to tilt up and shoot up through your brain. That's a traditional way, isn't That's it? That's a traditional way. Um, but he was pointing it straight into his mouth. So, like a you know, coward. Like parallel with the ground. So he was never going to shoot up. But, and and it's, all, yeah, it's almost impossible unless, well, I don't know, maybe if you turn your head. But he obviously shot off at an angle. And I think he missed. Yeah, I do. I think he missed. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense that the other character would die. No. Yeah. Can you remember? I... I this has never come up in a film quiz that I've ever been to. But if I were to write a film quiz, this would be 
one of the questions. And it would be the the Brad Pitt version of Tyler Durden. What's the last thing he says? Is it fuck? No. He says, what's that smell? Oh. And he breathes out the, the, the gun smoke. Oh, okay. And then we cut to the back of the head and there's the big... Oh. The big uh, hole. Bullet, oh. bullet hole. Can you remember the, the name of the other... The other important character that died, played by Meatloaf, said quite a lot. Because you have no remember you have Damn it. you have no name in life. Yeah, like in the in the. Uh, His name was Robert Paulson. Robert Paulson. His name was Robert Paulson. His name was Robert Paulson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. fantastic. Oh, absolutely fantastic. And Meatloaf's great in that. As well. Meatloaf's fantastic. As an actor. B- bitch tips, Bob. Yeah, because he had lost his testicles to testicular cancer. Uh, and then was on hormone therapy, and he grew boobies. Mm. Yeah, quite the rack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Meatloaf was a fantastic actor. Do you know Meatloaf uh, credits his vocal range to a head injury he got? He credits his his massive, amazing vocal range to that injury as a child. Oh, R.O.P. Meat. He was he was a legend. Fantastic music. Fantastic guy. So, in terms of Fight Club. Mm. Do you subscribe to the theory that not only is Tyler Durden a figment of the narrator mm-hmm. of his imagination Ooh, and his split personality, theory. but that so is Marla Singer, the Helena Bonham Carter character? No. And they're the end of that. No, I don't think so. No? She's supposed to kind of... You know, film theories here. It's, I don't. I, I imagine if you asked Fincher, he would like, well, "What are you talking about?" Mm. But yes, it is. It is to be read, potentially, that mm. um, I would have- uh, that yes, that she is another part of his personality. She's, you know, Brad Pitt is the toxic, masculine side of uh, of a character. Of your are we male to toxic masculinity now, are we? Sorry. Well, yeah. this, you know, this is... Is it the fucking patriarchy? <laughs> and that, uh, yeah, Marla is the, the the softer feminine side. I mean, she's not exactly particularly she's soft, is really she? She's not soft, no. <laughs> she's not. No. She's, um, but they talk about, like, when she vicious. she walks through traffic as if mm-hmm. it's nothing, because potentially she's not there. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, I can see that. I can see that. Um, it's difficult because there are, you know, uh, Brad Pitt's character has interactions with other characters in the film, but that's because he's actually he's just in control at that point. And but Marla has has interactions with characters as well, like the the waiter who says, you know, don't don't the lady shouldn't have the soup, things yeah, like that. I'm, but I'm is the character it- imagining? All of this is the whole I mean, so thing that's, inside that's of his head. I, I am thinking about the fact that she's kidnapped towards the end and brought to Tyler Durden by the acolytes. Yeah, but is any so, of that real? These are the things. How deep do you dig into? You could definitely read it that way, but I personally, I I don't subscribe to that. I'll have to watch it again. I will have to watch it again. Yeah, I think it's an interesting theory, but maybe not the best interpretation of the film. But in terms of you know. You're talking about Fincher's work. Fight Club is right at the top for me. So my Fight Club and Seven used to be in my top three favourite films. And that's what I mean. is I think that David Fincher peaked at those two films. I don't believe he's ever gone that high with his work. I think he's a fantastic uh, craftsman and filmmaker. And he still makes excellent, excellent work. 
but he's just not made anything that's sort of I'm going to use a Ponzi word here that sort of captured the zeitgeist. You God know. damn, that was Ponzi, wasn't it? Just uh, I don't think he's made anything that's been so I don't know relevant to the current times. I mean, uh, and Seven is is timeless. Uh, Fight Club, I think, is aging a bit more than Seven. I don't know why. Yeah, Seven's very self-contained mm. and stands on its own two feet very well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, especially because society changes, hopefully yeah. for the better. That yes, Fight Club I, might lose a bit of its. Well, I wasn't even uh, thinking this, but I, I imagine that if you look at it through a an identity politics uh, lens, Fight Club's probably not going to come out too well these days. Um, what with, like you say, the, the, the views of toxic masculinity, because it's, it's all about men fighting it, it's other a, it, men. Yeah, it's a so, film. I think it's a film for men. Mm. Um, and as much as we enjoy it, I don't, I don't think it's designed for a female viewer. No, I, well, I don't think there's anyone really in there that they can identify with, the ladies. Uh, or, or uh, do, do you know who I got to ask that question of? Whether Fight Club is designed or aimed, written, targeted. aimed, targeted at the the male gaze who Dan who the screenwriter of said film the screen what's his name well I'm going to pronounce it I'm going to badly Jim Ewells 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 it is spelt well most names are that's how I do mine yeah 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 but unless you're Prince but Ewells is spelt U H L S anyway so I got to oh. speak to Jim Boyer um, uh, in a Really nice. It was during the COVID times, and uh, it was on a Zoom call uh, set up by another podcast, an enemy podcast, I believe. Ooh. And um, uh, I, yeah, got to just ask him that question. Is so, this uh, the After Movie After Movie Diner podcast? No, no. Oh. Although that is a fantastic podcast, a fantastic and you should podcast. listen. What was yeah. it called again? The After Movie Diner podcast. Beautiful. I'd listen to that I'd if listen I was a person who listened to podcasts. Yeah, I would, and I have. Oh, good for you. Yeah. So yeah, I asked Jim like. Is so he's not the original author. He did the screenplay, but I said, "Do you think that Fight Club is designed for men, aimed at men?" And he kind of took a moment to think about it, but he said, "Yes, he thinks it is. He he doesn't think that there's um, like a way in for mm. a, a female viewer." And I think it's quite it's quite deliberate, and that's a shame. But I, yeah, I think it is. It's describing a male experience. Well, in terms of in terms of main characters, you know, and in terms of main and minor characters, your main characters are your, your Brad Pitt and Ed Norton, uh, and then Marla is number three, I would say, hmm. played by the excellent Helena Bonham Carter. But then all the rest of the minor characters, like I, I can't think. I can think of half a dozen men male characters. You've got you know Jared Leto. You've got, yeah. uh, you've got the, the, the pretty boy, isn't he? The, yeah, you've got uh, Robert Paulson played by Meatloaf. I think not as pretty, not as pretty. Oh, I, in a certain light, yeah. So I, I, I can think of a few, maybe not half a dozen, but a few uh, male characters, minor male characters. But literally, the only female character, minor or major, I can think of is Helena Bonham Carter's character. So the, the like you say, there's no way in. There's no nobody for women to identify with. You've got a scene in in the film where uh, Brad Pitt is in the bath and Norton's cutting his fingernails. Maybe it might be around the other way. They're in the bathroom together having a chat, and they talk about their 
their fathers only. Mm. I don't think they talk about their mothers. It was a film definitely of its time. Uh, and that's why I say that that one doesn't hold up quite as well for me as Seven. Stop. So should we move on? I what's demand next, it. What's your next pick? Dan, what's your next pick? So my last pick for movie death that has stayed with me, that when I close my eyes at night, I see his face. Okay. It's getting <laughs> quite sinister, this. It is sinister. Yeah. It's scary for that, for that guy. It's the death of... Hans Gruber <gasps> at the end of Die Hard. Again, original and best. Marvel lover. Mm. Yeah. Um, Kimo-sabi. Yeah, that, that slow-mo of Alan Rickman's Hans Gruber falling from Fantastic. the top of Nakatomi Plaza. John McTiernan is a legend and god. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. And it's just, I, I, I love the, the, the moment, that all, all those kind of slow-mo shots. Uh, Gruber is... Uh, dangling from the building, yeah. hanging on to McLean's wife's golden watch yes. that she was given uh, for being so bloody good at whatever it is her job was. Show him the Rolex. Huh? Show him the Rolex. Oh, the Rolex. Yeah. That's what, so, that's what uh, Ellis says uh, when, show him the Rolex. Yeah. Just he, sleazily. He deserved what he got. As well. <laughs> he did. So, yeah. Hans, baby. Bobby. This is radio. <laughs> Put the gun away. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, the, he's, he's fucked. He's going to fall out of the building and he's still, he kind of like looks at his gun and then up at McLean, he's like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm still going to get you. Yeah. You see the slow motion raise of the gun. Yeah. You? And his eyes move towards McLean and then, uh, yeah. And then John McLean undoes the clasp undoes of the Holly Gennaro slash McLean's wrist and, and that's it. And mm. you see the the expression changes, and that's the thing to talk about is is Rickman's expression. Yeah, and it's because they're filming it, they're filming it against yeah. big blue screen. He's about thirty feet up on yeah. a wire, yep. and the director says, "I'm going to count to three, and we're going to drop you. One, two, and they drop him. Mm. So they trick Rickman, and it, by that beat, and I'm not even ex- sure they said three. It might have been five, and they dropped him on two. Really, <laughs> something like that. So. <clears throat> Yeah, and just and, and watching all of that in, you know, whatever that is, 120 frames, 240 mm-hmm. frames a second, that's slow-mo. And you, you just, yeah, you just watch him go from, I'm still going to get, still going to get you, to mm-hmm. that, um, you know, gravity takes over. and um, I mean, uh, Alan I love Rickman, it. the man was a, he was a legend. He was so good. I love know? him in that. Was that his first film? Oh, it was certainly the, his or, or breakout role. Or should I say, role. was that his first film? I really can't do You a, can't do a Rickman. No, neither can you. Um, damn, damn. <laughs> Shoot the glass. Shoot the glass. Can't do it. Um, I think it may have been his first film. Uh, it was, I don't think it wasn't his first credit. but uh, No, but he was a thespian on the stage and he did some television. And he's very, very good. Oh, he's fantastic. 69. But I think it might have been might have been his first Hollywood movie role. I think it might very well have been. And so, you know, I, I waxed lyrical about The Shining, which is considered to be, you know, a fantastic piece of of cinema. But I'd rather watch Die Hard. My God, I love Die Hard so much. Die Hard is 
again is one of the best films ever made do you know what i never noticed the, 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 this is this is an example of how they very often don't have the the ending of a film when they're making when they're shooting the beginning of the film go on do you know what i'm talking about no no go on okay so they they're um it's it's you know they all come out of the van at the beginning and walk in and you know the the henchmen go off to cut the power cable yep. the, the phone lines and stuff like that and alan gets in the lift with a couple of them and they're they're all seen walking out of this van at the beginning do you remember at the end when the ambulance comes out of the van <laughs> yeah no ambulance it wasn't in there, in there earlier <laughs> it's not in yeah. there at the beginning well like you say like they didn't have the ending when they started making it they didn't have hardly any of die hard while they were making die no, hard no. It was being written every night yeah. that they were filming it, and, and you just you just you you think about that and you go, how the and hell? And it's still better than how, anything how else. How the hell can they? Yeah, it's like th- there's films these days that go through like eighteen different versions, and they've got to lock down the script or whatever ahead of time. And how the hell did they did they just like do these things on the fly? It's, mm. it's crazy. I mean, and yeah, Die Hard is just it's a masterpiece in there? cinema making. Is there a bit of movie magic luck? I think they just kind of, is. you know, lightning in a bottle type of stuff. I think there is. I think, yeah. I think that. The, what else was another example of that? Don't know. Don't know. That's that's the end of that sentence. <laughs> Question asked. Got away. Answered. <laughs> yeah, Die Hard is fantastic. Die Hard Two is is good. I like Die Hard Two. Die Hard Two is not fantastic, but it is good. I can watch Die Hard Two. But Die Hard Three the... back up to fantastic. My God, I love Die Hard with a vengeance. Die Hard I don't 4. love it with a vengeance. I love Die Hard with a vengeance. Die Hard with a vengeance. I don't love it with a vengeance. Oh, I do. But I love Die I Hard do with both. a vengeance. I tell you the bit in Die Hard Two that I that I love. It's the um the plane ejector scene. You know they <laughs> they throw like let's say a thousand grenades into the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they go off as he does the uh as he does the the ejector scene. Mm. And it's his. I don't know. It's his, it's the shot. You know, is it a great effect? It looks good, but it looks you know great it's at not time, real. But yeah, probably. You know, it's obviously like a, a, a grease green, blue screen type of thing. Um, but who cares? It's, it's. I don't know. It's just his face. It's that kind of ah, as they're fly, yeah, he as he's flying through the air. He absolutely sold um, it. And then he doesn't get away with escaping from the plane. The bad guys all see him in the chair, and then the parachute, and they just go and they go, "Lucky son of a bitch." And they're like, should we go and get him? No, we've got other things to do. <laughs> <laughs> got a flight to catch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, Die Hard 3 is... A, a, I th- is it as good as one? That's the question. So this is... it's a uh, th- That's another one, I think, that they made up the end as they were going. I think they did. I could well, it's wrong. got multiple endings. Is it as good as one? Oh, I don't know. I, I think, think it's very the different. the answer's no. I think the answer like, probably is no. It's like a... A hair. So, so it was hair off. It was a it was a different film, wasn't it? It was a different script. It was never meant to be a diehard film. It was. Oh, is that right? I they believe like it was co-opted called something it. like Simon Says, and they 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 shoehorned uh, McLean into it perfectly. Yeah, you know, it feels like a McLean film, and I really liked. I liked that it was no longer like you know Die Hard One in a building, Die Hard Two in an airport. You know, like it's like they're trying to recreate the formula, and they didn't bother with the formula. It was just terrorist bad guy, good guy, John McClane. That's as close as they got to the formula. It wasn't got to crawl through an air duct this time, you know. It's like yeah, d- d- it's, d- it's not. Uh, yeah, it hasn't got that confinement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's there's, there's there's some films like that where Under Siege and Under Siege Two, one's on a boat, one's on a train. You know, they've always got a Steven Seagal might be an arsehole. Steven Seagal's an absolute arsehole. Yeah, 
Have you have you not heard? Have you you, you want to read the the story of John John Leguizamo? John Leguizamo. Well done. You say his name. Yeah, well done. Uh, how Steven Seagal treated him on the film Executive Decision. Mm. It weren't good. Yeah, he like slammed him up against a wall, and because he because Steven Seagal was supposed to be like the Marine in charge of the Marines or whatever, or the SEALs, the SEAL team, uh, and he walked onto set and sort of believed that his team were actually soldiers and he like started bossing him around like that and slammed John Leguizamo up against a wall and stuff like that. Well, this is the thing. Because he considers himself to be a real martial artist, mm. Mm. when he's doing fight scenes with stuntmen... Is he a Texas Ranger as well? Or a US Marshal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he does fights with stuntmen, he treats them just as punching bags. Mm. You know, you're not actually meant to be making contact with no, people. No. But he, he'll kick someone in the chest or in the throat. And he'll go, well, it's Kung Fu, isn't it? And that's just a stuntman. You're like, oh, no. No, that's a, that's a human. It's a human man. Yeah. Um, I think we can officially say on the podcast, fuck you, Steven Seagal. I think we can. Because uh, he doesn't What's know. What's he going to wh- do? He doesn't know where we live. So. No, he doesn't. Yeah, fuck no, you, Steven Seagal. Up your Steven Seagal. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, shall we move on? Let's. Do you want my pick number five? Want it. My pick number five is a death from Terminator 2 and it is not Arnold Schwarzenegger's thumb slowly retracting into the no it is the legend that is Miles Bennett Dyson Miles Bennett Dyson. It's just such a good movie death. He accidentally through his creation of this uh, technology uh, which he kind of stole from the future. That's a self-fulfilling paradox, people. Let's not talk about the time travel in Terminator because it doesn't work. But anyway. Leave it alone. Yeah, let's leave it alone because it's so good. You can just leave it alone. Miles Bennett Dyson works for Cyberdyne Systems and he uses this technology that they t- they took out of the, the warehouse from the end of uh, Terminator 1, then known as Terminator, and is beginning to create this artificial intelligence architecture to basically create Skynet, which is going to wipe out the world or you know come very close to destroying humanity and once he's convinced of this and we talked about this another time on how practical special effects thing yeah, where, yeah, we, yeah. where we saw the robot arm once he's convinced of this then he joins the uh, our crack team of uh, infiltrators to go to Cyberdyne and destroy all the hard drives and the evidence and the uh, the research that will lead to the creation of Skynet and in the process he is shot by quite a lot of SWAT men. He shot quite a few times. And with his sort of dying en- dying energy, <laughs> they set up some explosives, or they have set up some explosives already, and he's got the trigger, and he holds a weight over the trigger. And when the SWAT team come in, he says, I don't know how much longer I can hold this. And then... Hank from Breaking Bad, who plays the lead SWAT man, don't know his real name, um, but he was also the man who whipped somebody in uh, Starship Troopers. Hank from Breaking Bad then says, "Get out!" and they all run out of there. And Miles Bennett Dyson is holding this. It's such a powerful scene. It's Finn, do they do they get out? Does the SWAT team get out? I, I mean, do we care? But I, I don't think we really care. I think no. that they, they 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 give them long enough that. In the movie world, they could get out, but in the real world, they wouldn't. Yeah, because it's think, seconds. Yeah, it is seconds. Which, uh, yeah, they've basically got to like. I mean, it's not a, it's not a tall building. They've got to run down some flights of stairs, and go. Um, but I mean, like, 
they destroy the floor? They don't destroy like the entire building, do they? That's why I'm wondering if they like got out got out the ground floor. I think they, they were that floor explodes. But it wasn't the ground floor, they were up on like the first floor. Yeah, but do the cops get out on the ground and then that floor like floor yeah, five or whatever? I think explode? so because because the explosion happens when the Terminator, Sarah Connor, and John Connor are they going down in the lift? Sure. And then, because because then, the Terminator walks out through the hail of bullets. You know, all the SWAT team are there shooting at him, and that's when he gets a lot of the facial damage. Yeah. Uh, and he. A bullet facial. No, that's not rude. You can't say it is. Yeah. You can though. I will. Oh, shit, you've done it. Filth. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that that moment is, is just, for me, it just sticks with me. Such a fantastic death. And it's so poignant and pivotal. It's great. Uh, I just, I love that moment. I, I, it's something about, this is going to sound really weird. It's something about how sweaty he is. Oh, yeah. No, he's so sweaty. He's, he, he, he's so sweaty and, and they've got... He the, looks the in perfect, a bad way. They've got the perfect amount of pale makeup on him. Yeah. You can see that the colour is drained from his face. Yeah, he's not going to make he's just, it. He's not going to make it. Yeah. It's just it's just such a, a powerful scene, yeah. And so, it's so sad. He was, you know, he was not a bad guy. He was a family man. In, in, you're introduced to his son in the theatrical edition. You're introduced to his son and daughter in the extended edition. Did you know Is that? that? I did, don't think I did know that. I was going to yeah. say, you know, he's such a good dad. He lets his son drive that remote control car around the house. Yeah, he's got That'd t- really get on my nerves. Yeah, me too. Man, the, I didn't know there was a daughter. But it did save his life. That is true. Yeah, for, yeah. For, for like 12 hours. Yeah. Maybe not Good even 12, 12 hours. hours. I don't think it's 12 hours. I think it's like three hours. <laughs> yeah. Best, best three hours of his life. Absolutely. Died a hero. Absolutely. Mm. Anyway. Are we uh, we done on Miles Benny Dyson? He's done. Do you want, do you want my uh, brief list of honourable mentions? I'd love that. Didn't quite make it. Um, so, Private Melish from Saving Private Ryan. Oh, that's, that's a good film. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. And I, I can't remember the char- uh, the actor's name, but he's uh, basically Crazy Eddie, Chandler's roommate from mm. Friends. Well, uh, pals. Yeah. See you, pals. And he's he's sort of like the, the sort of the, the sarcastic comic relief, one of the gang in Saving Private Ryan. And yeah. he's killed brutally by a German's knife slowly going into his chest while he's sort of pleading with his eyes for it not to happen. It's Brutal. Is it a knife or a bayonet? Ah, oh, well, knife. Bayon- bayonet's kind of like a knife, isn't it? I don't know. It's a gun knife. Yeah. But you say bayonet because it sounds classy. A couple more, more honourable mentions. Uh, the Swamp Thing from Robocop. Toxic Man, <laughs> the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> the guy who gets uh, driven into the, the toxic waste and then yeah. comes out and he's all melty and then he gets run over by the a car. The flesh is melting And his off head his just bounces and... off and over the roof of this car. He just turns to liquid, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, liquefies. It's awful. I thought it's, Al- it's really well done. Alex Murphy also from Robocop. That, that was because you know at the beginning he dies yeah. and it's declared legally dead. But you know when they shoot his hand off, and I watched this. I watched Robocop recently because I knew we were going to talk about this, and he is shot a lot yeah. in that scene. Yeah. It's just a lot. Uh, oh, this one is brutal. American History X bite the curb. Yeah. I. I How I, much do you actually see? You see him bite the curb. Yeah, which you, is and then which you, is horrible. And then I think you sort of do you hear him like scratch see Ed his teeth stand, like... standing up and yeah, yeah. good lord, yeah. Does that kill him? 
Well, this is it. I didn't understand at the time like, I watched the film. I wasn't sure I understand. Mm. I think it killed him. Whoa. And I think he, he was released on a technicality in that film. Uh, Goose in in uh, in Top Gun. That again. That that. So that's a that's a powerful death for the storyline. Yes. Train spotting Tommy. Uh, that was pretty awful. But the baby, the baby Dawn in Train Spotting. Oh, awful. Uh, Vanilla Sky. The uh, the car wreck. This is just me listing things here. You yeah. gonna jump in anytime? Well, I didn't know if we were gonna do. You're just talking about more. This like, is just my honourable mentions, yeah. But what about like pointless deaths or yeah, de- things that we didn't that we find to be yeah, not as good? Well, you're fine. I'll just I'll ignore the rest of my list. That's do fine. that. Do okay. that. Okay. Okay. Same way that I. So I, yeah. So how many of you got on your worst deaths? Oh, list? good lord. Uh, let's have a look. Um, I've got four. I've got four or more. Okay. Well, should we? We need to rattle through these. I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've okay. wasted a lot of everyone's time. So I'm going to go with uh, my my first uh, worst death is uh, the death of Macaulay Culkin in My Girl. Oh, well, uh, the bees. Yeah, the bees. No, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! It's a lovely little love story between a boy and a girl, and the boy dies. Oh, look, we need to end this film. Yeah, it's like we kill we, the kid. Yeah, it's like. It's like Macaulay Culkin maybe had a scandal halfway through and they just needed to get rid of his character. Or do you, I think that's before cancel culture, isn't it? Maybe. Well, if it was, if it wasn't before cancel culture, they would just excise him from the whole film and just reshoot it. Yeah. But yeah, that's just awful. It's just really mean. Everyone goes in there. You take your kids to see that. It's like, oh, come on, kids. Let's see this lo- lovely little romance between a young boy and a young girl. It's so sweet and innocent. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. Shit. What do you think about that, kids? So in terms of, I don't know, uh, deaths that didn't land or that I found to be pointless, um, in Jaws, in Jaws 2. Okay. You've not, got, I've never seen Jaws 2. Yeah, it's all right. Okay. Um, it, you've got Chief Brody. Jaws 1, superior, superior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic film. Jaws 2, again, it's it's Sheriff Brody. Uh, and Played he's. By. Schneider, Roy Schneider, Roy Schneider the yeah, legend, yeah, and um, captain of the Sequest, and, <laughs> and yeah, and it's you know it's it's the two is more about him battling with the shark, and there's another shark that's come after the Brody family, and the rest of the films go down this route of the, 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 the this, this revenge of this not just not a shark but sharks that keep coming after. Anyway, Brody dies off screen. In Jaws 3. Schneider didn't come back. Scheider. Scheider. Roy Scheider. Oh, man. Schneider's a better name. Well, we, should, we should tell him. Yeah, we should. I'll write to his people. Um, yeah, so Sheriff Brody dies unceremoniously off screen. Oh, I hate when For, I don't know, I can't remember what it was. That's how rubbish it is. It's like, yeah, he's just dead. You see him in a photograph, oh, you know, and, and and the film is now about uh, the the Brody family as as is Jaws four which is awful but it does have Michael Caine in it so that's probably, that's quite nice yeah the, that's is that the one that he famously did for the paycheck yes yeah <laughs> and he's not ashamed house. is that the one to tell you about it is that yeah. the one where he said uh, where someone asked him if he'd seen the film and he said no but I've seen the house that bought my mother <laughs> right next pointless death uh, well so this one is not a pointless death uh, but it is just brutal and wrong uh, so. The Mist. 
Spoilers yes. for The Mist. Uh, it's a Frank Darabont film. Love a bit of Frank Darabont, Green Mile, and The Shawshank Redemption. And, of course, The Walking Dead. He started The Walking Dead. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I think it's based on a Stephen... Is it a Stephen it's King? It's Stephen King, a Stephen King novella. Novella. Which one? The Mist? Yeah. Yeah. Much like The Green Mile, I think, and, and definitely Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, Stephen Peter King, Hayworth yeah. and The Shawshank Redemption. Um yeah, so at the end of the film, so they're, they're basically they're trapped in the supermarket for most of the film. The, this yeah. mist has appeared from, I think, some mountains. It's just come down, and in the mist there are monsters. Yes. And then they're fighting these monsters, keeping them out of the supermarket for the whole film. And they Extra-dimensional monsters. Extra-dimensional, yeah. They've yeah, come yeah. from another dimension. Yeah. And then the, 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 they decide at, at some point, the survivors decide that they've got to make a break for it and try and drive to the beyond the mist. Uh, so Which they, is what they were going to call the sequel. I made that up just now. Yep. Um, they're going to try and drive to Beyond the Mist, and they uh, so that these half a dozen survivors get into the car. Half there's, yeah, there's like four of them. Yeah. Four of them. Have you seen this? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, oh okay. Yes, yes. Uh, I really like the Mist. I think it's fantastic. I do, yeah. I mean, I liked it as well until this point. Yeah, this is a, a bummer. Yeah, so then they, they, they drive as far as they can. They run out of gas, and they think it's pointless because they've driven as far as they can on this tank of gas, and they've got, or petrol, as we say here in the UK. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to appeal to the uh, our listener across the pond, John. So they drive as far as they can until they've run out of gas. Uh, and then they think it's pointless. They think that the mist must now like encompass the whole world and they, they can't go any further. And they've got this one gun that's got like three bullets left in yeah. there. It's like an existential terror, isn't it? It's like the, yeah. the, these giant... Almost like dinosaur-sized monsters, monsters that are going to eat them alive. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they take it upon themselves that that uh, that they will kill themselves, but there's not enough bullets for everybody. There's only enough bullets for everybody minus one. So Thomas Jane kills everyone else in the car, including his own like under ten-year-old son, this yeah. small boy. Yeah. And he runs out of bullets, and he gets out of the car, and he is. You know, he's broken, he's howling with grief. And then the army roll in and they're just And the mist kind of starts the mist to fade goes off a away bit. and they're just killing all the monsters with like flamethrowers and whatever yeah, bazookas. Like they were nothing. Yeah, like they were nothing. And like literally seconds after Thomas Jane just killed his own son. That's just that fuck you film. Absolutely <laughs> fuck bit, you the, film. The thing about that is that you're waiting for kind of like and so it's a real gut punch that that, that you know it's gone wrong for yeah. Thomas Jane, and then you're waiting for there to be kind of like a, I don't know, like like a, a poignant message to why that happened, Nothing. and then credits, credits, end of the film. How do you feel about that? Fuck you. <laughs> right. Anyway, next one. Uh, okay, yeah, and, uh, another another one from me. Um, okay, this is bugbear, and we can't go down this rabbit hole too much. No, no. But Tim Burton. Batman, yeah. Oh, yeah. 89. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right at the end, Joker's going to get away, and Batman attaches a gargoyle to the Joker's leg on purpose yeah, yeah. to stop him from climbing up the rope ladder into his stupid little helicopter, yeah. and, and he falls to his death. Batman kills the Joker. Yeah. Batman's not meant to kill anyone. So I know you, I, I know it's, when, we, when we spoke about this earlier, you mentioned Batman v Superman. That yeah. The gay that. abandon of just kind of like I'm gonna get my machine guns out of my Batmobile and okay, just I'm, destroy I'm, people. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, 
Batman Returns as well. Batman Returns. He kills a number of people. Yeah, my favourite one. Go on. My favourite one is, I think it's one of the Is it dynamite-based? No, it's no. one of the clown people, I think, where he just he turns the back of the car on them yeah. and sets them on fire. He yeah. burns someone to death. And walks away like a cool guy. Yeah. Not looking at the, the, the fiery uh, circus man behind him. Yeah, uh, yeah he then puts um, live... Live dynamite? Is that how you describe it? Dynamite that's going to explode. He puts it down a man's trousers. I see. And again, walks away like a oh. cool guy, not looking as a man explodes behind him. Yeah, I do get annoyed at the the yeah. the the the, the, uh, the enjoy the, the body count of Batman in in Batman v Superman. But yeah, I don't uh, mind Batman v Superman because I think that that is a jaded a jaded version of Superman, of Batman that, that lives in the real world. Like people, yeah. people got annoyed at Superman killing at the end of Man of Steel. I don't mind that at all. Didn't it, bother me. No, because uh, he's. I mean, he, he killed him in the comics in the eighties. Uh, what's worse was in Superman Two, Richard the Richard Donner, Richard yeah. Lester version. Yeah. When he depowers the supervillains, you know, yeah. the, the non Ursa and Zod. Yeah. And then kills them. He executes them when they have no powers. Pushes them into a canyon. Well, well, uh, yeah. I think Lois or it allows them to non fall. falls. Lois uh, smacks Ursa and you know I think right hooks her into the into the icy abyss. Yeah. And and yeah, and Superman just picks up Zod, chucks him against a wall, and then he slides down into his icy grave. Yeah. Powerlessly, it's like you could put him in a regular prison. Yeah don't need to do that oh, i'd have had to have flown i suppose in, Ma- in man of steel the whole point of him killing zod is that is that zod's, it's the only way he can stop zod from this zod's literally telling him spree. i'm never gonna stop yeah, unless, i'm gonna kill them all yeah i just think that they put they kind of put these stakes in there of like oh he's going to laser beam this family yeah, I mean, that and was... it's just like the the the, st- the stakes just feel a little small. Yeah, he says he's going to kill everyone, but in that moment, he's going to kill two or three mm. people. But because it's a family, we're meant to like feel more for it, and I and I don't. But then again, I am dead inside. You are. It's a well should really see a doctor about that. Yeah, you should. Uh, right, so we uh, my next my next worst movie death. Uh, and this one is just because it's just it's just so over the top and unjustified. Is the the poor babysitter woman in Jurassic World, who? Oh yeah. I think it's just it's just horrific. It's like she she gets what does she do? She I think initially she gets picked up by a pterodactyl. Yeah. And then she uh, she gets thrown from a pterodactyl. There's like four I, dinosaurs that she goes through. I think she gets pulled. Like by two pterodactyls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. one of them wins her, essentially. Yeah. And then it flies over some sea or yeah, some yeah. water. And, but she's alive throughout this. You oh, yes. see that she's alive. And th- she's and not then, having a good time. And then this 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 uh, monster jumps up and like from the from the ocean and grabs yeah, like a, a massive crocodile sea monster or her and the pterodactyl and the pterodactyl. Yeah. And, and then and then just you know when you think it can't get any worse another giant monster comes up and just swallows her and that other other seafaring beast seafaring beastie yeah whole and it's yeah. just like why yeah she was just you know young lady trying doing to do as a she job. was told <laughs> she was just babysitting some wasn't kids. a great babysitter she wasn't great. She was on so a phone she should a die horrifically yeah. just it's just like the worst death in the movie yeah that was still inside the jurassic park universe uh, yes. Um, uh, your name, your namesake. My namesake, Gareth. 
Oh, Eddie. Eddie Carr. Eddie Carr. Eddie Carr is saves mm. all the protagonists. Your gold blooms. Your other people. Yeah. And then he's he's picked up in a T Rex's mouth, and there's two T Rex, and the other one grabs the legs and he's ripped in half. Yeah. And all he was he was he worked really hard to save everybody. He did it, and then he was how was he thanked? Bisected by a T Rex. <laughs> Bisected by. A T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Name of the really podcast. Had to split. <laughs> right, and while my last worst death is Padme Amidala, who uh, you might know as uh, Natalie Portman from the Star Wars prequel trilogy, who just who who gives birth to two beautiful children and just can't be asked to survive, and that's pretty much the reason that she dies. So they can they can bring back you know anybody like they can hand, Luke Skywalker gets his hand chopped off they can give him a perfect hand you know they've got they've got other characters like is it General Grievous who's basically like a brain a pair of lungs in a robot body he's Robocop he's Robocop he's absolutely Robocop Anakin Skywalker gets his arms and legs chopped off and they can instantly give him like a new fully functional body but she's had she's given birth and she can't be asked to survive. Didn't you tell me that she she she's said to have died of a broken heart? I believe that's right. That's weak. Which is very weak. Isn't that it's weak? Rubbish. It's rubbish. I wonder rubbish. how Natalie Portman thought about it. I don't know. It's just it's just you know like right. I'm gonna be a little bit soppy here for a moment, but I'm a parent. You're a parent. You know, as soon as you've had kids, you're living for them. Like no matter what's gone on in your life, you know your responsibility, your priority is them annoyingly so did they not say that she dies of like medical reasons no, from childbirth no, not at all no i don't think so because you could do that you, you could they they totally could have done that they could some sort of aneurysm some sort of you know some brain aneurysm or a you know a pulmonary aneurysm or something medical but well, no. she put all of the medichlorians into the babies she did and then when they came out, she was like, oh, shit, my midichlorians, and then she died. I don't, I don't know where to go with that. It feels like you're mocking stuff that I like. I was, yeah, yeah. stupid. <laughs> well, that's it today. We are done. Talking about death. For this week. Well, at least in the podcast. Dan and I talk about it quite a lot. That's all there is. That's all there is. Over 40 now. This is it. One thing you can say about life, you never get out alive. And taxes. <laughs> <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed listening to us ramble on for far too long about stuff that at the end is not really very it's consequential. It's not important, it's not, is it? Not important at all. Just films. And we hope that you uh, like, share and subscribe. Yeah, I'm never going to never gonna say that. Yeah, but you should, because then we'll get likes, shares and subscriptions. All right. Yeah, that's how it works. If you enjoyed it, tell your friends. If you didn't enjoy it, don't tell anyone. Yeah, give that shit to yourself. We will... Uh, we look, do come back next time. Yeah, we look forward to talking more in your ears. Right in your ears. Right in your ears. Come on. I'm going to start with a, a horrific movie death, uh, which is probably not a good one because I don't know too much about this film. <laughs> so you know if you do, do your research. Go and do your research, Shut up. Dan. <laughs>